Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football. Welcome to Monday morning. This is Matt Miller, the lead NFL draft writer of Bleacher Report. And usually, this is where you would hear that I'm joined by Connor in New York and Mello. But our boy Connor, a bit under the weather. So it, I think this is the second show in almost two years that he's taken off. So Mello, it's just me and you riding shotgun tonight, buddy. This is what happens. He listened to the Friday show when I said cough into the mic. And he, he probably, he's oh, out with an ear infection. Yep. It's um stick to football curse. I'm sorry, Connor. The stick to football curse hit a lot of people this weekend. We'll get into that. Also, for the first time this year, we're going to unveil our top 10 draft boards. And you always make fun of the fact that you don't do draft boards. And guess what? You're doing one. <laughs> Until you guys fucking surprise me and say, like, oh, yeah, we're doing draft boards. <laughs> so you and Connor probably have like a running draft board that you guys yeah. just do. Yep. I had to go and create one. Well, I'm proud of you. Uh, very proud of you. Get a legal pad. It helps. I feel so official. Yeah. So $100 handshakes were to our draft boards, and they close it out with a ton of draft on draft questions. Uh, you guys were, were amazing on Saturday, especially kicking those over to us. So let's start off, though, Mello. The game that we talked about so much last week, it was all anyone could talk about. And no, I'm not talking about Oklahoma-Texas Tech, even though that game got way more Way more. That's like, for me, Oklahoma, Texas Tech was like when I had to vote for Trump or Hillary. It's like, we <laughs> yeah, all lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want either of you to win. I agree with you, too. I was sitting there trying to think of like, well, who do I want to win? Because I hate both of these teams. Obviously, I hate Oklahoma more. But at the same time, I picked them to win. So I wanted yeah. them to win. But I needed them to lose because I wanted Texas to be better off in the Big 12 standings. But so it's a lot of conflict when watching that game. But the game that we were very excited to watch, Alabama LSU, and it lived up in the first half to some of the hype. LSU did a pretty good job containing Alabama. At least they weren't they weren't we didn't see Tua go off for 400 yards in right. the first half. Uh, he actually had to play a little bit. He also got banged up. It looks like, but eventually. Alabama did Alabama things. And that LSU defense, you have to give them credit because what they were able to do, the fact that they only allowed 29 points, I honestly think is ridiculous. I'm not being sarcastic at all yeah. here. That is a very good offense, and they only allowed 29 points. And a lot of it was in the second half of some big plays. Yeah. And so they they held their own. 16 nothing at halftime, I, I think was one of the biggest surprises. I made this joke on Twitter, but I had told my girlfriend, I was like, hey, she wanted to watch a movie, and I was like, Alabama LSU is tonight, so probably can't start the movie until like halftime. But yeah, then yeah, it'll yeah. be a blowout, so we don't have to worry about Give it. Give me till like 9 o'clock, right, right, and then, right. then we can do this. Halftime but. comes around, she's like, what's the score? It's like 16 nothing, so we can't start the movie. She's like, I'm taking a bath. You know, I was like, <laughs> oh, well. So we started at the beginning of the fourth quarter instead. But Tua threw his first pick of the year. Played uh, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, a lot of first for Tua. He also busted off a 75-yard, or not 75, how long? 45-yard 45 45 run. run uh, that may have been, you tweeted, his Heisman moment. And I do think it is, and I saw a lot of people also tweeting that on Twitter, too. Not that I stole it from them, but at the right. same time, like he hasn't had his defining moment yet. But everybody knows he's going to win the Heisman right. Trophy. Like We stopped talking about it on the Monday show for a reason. He's the runaway winner. He was just, he needed that big play in a big game. So now when he goes to New York, they can show that clip on ESPN. Right. Cause you can't just throw a man or just show a guy dominating people. Like, yeah. 
throwing like a 15 yard out route. Like, no, that's not going to do it. But when you break off a 45 yard touchdown run against the number three team in the nation, that can be your moment. And a lot of people were saying, like, like you said, uh, you, I, the first person I saw tweet it, but then everybody was like, this is his Heisman moment. Like, this is it. And it, it was great because it's like, he drops back to pass, like scan scans, and then he's gone. And and doing it kind of on a bum knee, but you saw him just pull away from the LSU defense. I kept being like, somebody's going to tackle him. Somebody's going to tackle him. I think that's what he was waiting for, too. Like, no one ever tackled him. This knee is about to give out. Is somebody around to tackle me so I can stop running? And he, like, reaches down and, like, tightens the screw on the old knee brace. And I've been there before. And I will tell you, I'm questioning that knee. That does not look good, the fact that. He's constantly pulling at it, or anytime he gets tackled, which has not been very often, he goes down with a knee injury. Like I have a lot of questions about that going into next year. That's something that I am definitely going to flag and keep keep yeah. in mind. Yeah, that's why if you had a big board, a database, you could put that in your notes. Hey, watch the left knee. Yeah, I guess you I got to for next year. I got to so, do that. Uh, you could. I, I think this does raise questions. So Alabama's number one. They're nine and zero, and I think a lot of folks said, "Well, they haven't played anybody." They haven't played anybody. They haven't played a top 60 defense. That's what I kept hearing. And I finally said to someone, no, they have. They just don't make them top 60 defenses right. anymore. After you play Alabama, you're like a 100-ranked defense. But it begs the question, are they going to lose again? Um, No. LSU? Or no, Alabama. Are they going to lose, period, I guess? No. Not again. No, no, no. They, they will not lose. I know that it is set now. Alabama versus Georgia for the SEC championship game. I think Alabama... Maybe plays close with that team against Georgia, but they're still they're just too much to handle. They are too good. One of the best teams I've ever seen in college yep. football. And dominant on both sides of the ball. We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we get into our hundred dollar handshakes and our big boards. But you're right, that Mississippi State in Tuscaloosa this coming weekend that will be that's probably the best game on the schedule as far as your November 10th slate of games. Is that one unless you're going to really get into Auburn Georgia, which you might. Yeah, I, uh, yes. I haven't done a whole lot of work looking ahead just yet on what's going on, but I would say that the best game of the week is still going to be in Joplin, Missouri. It, it, if we haven't told you yet, <laughs> the tailgate in Joplin, Missouri, 11 a.m. It's going to be a blast. We uh, were talking to some folks that are, it, it's just me crazy. I don't want to give away too many secrets because it, it's going to be fun, though. Just come out, tell the people. Come out, get a free koozie, get a six football wristband, get a sticker. Uh, we're going to have some other stuff to give away. You know, we run into this weird thing about like, we can't uh, promote giveaways because the colleges can get in trouble. Like we've ran into that everywhere we've been. So I'm trying to be like careful about it, but I do know one thing I can say, we have nailed down plans for our Ohio state tailgate, which is Thanksgiving weekend, Ohio state, Michigan. We're taking an RV. It's a, a pool trailer, not like the RV that you drive. And it is it, the, our buddy, Josh at mid America RV has this, 27 foot trailer and he's completely customized it it has two 60 inch tvs a 70 inch tv two leather couches two bathrooms a kitchen two xboxes a grill and we're taking this thing to the tailgate in joplin to test it out before we take it to ohio state so it's going to be ridiculously fun uh, and it's going to be cold, so those uh, two private bathrooms on the trailer are going to be great and i really i don't even know that you can call it an rv because it, it's yeah. It is a mobile outdoor living room. It, it's a mobile party wagon. The sides roll up, and then there's your TV. Yeah, the sides like, kick out to a canopy. So you have like a whole covering, and yeah, a 70-inch 
260 inches, and it has a built-in bar. And couches. Yeah, stools. sweet couches, bar stools. going to be so much and we'll fun. And we'll have it out there this weekend for our Missouri Southern Pitt State yeah. tailgate as well. Trying to figure out how it works, where I'm going to sit so I can see the TV. Where I'm going to sleep. All that good stuff. Yeah, it's going to be fun, so make sure you head out there. Uh, we'll have to give Josh a $100 handshake. I think we owe him a little more than $100. Probably, probably more than, more than $100. A uh, couple other notes. Ohio State. Were they exposed by barely beating Nebraska, or is Nebraska just starting to play good football? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think Nebraska is starting to play good football, and they're getting bought into the Scott Frost system, and things are getting good there. I also think that Ohio State is just kind of losing what they're playing for. They had national championship hopes this year. I know that you can talk about winning the conference. That's your first goal and everything, but you could tell as soon as this team lost, they're not playing as well. They couldn't get up for Nebraska, who's still a conference opponent, and they did not look very good at all. I had a lot of Ohio State fans tweet me that of like, this team has no heart. Like, it's not about scheme. Right. It's it's just like there is no fire out there. And I think that's a concern, especially for a team that's pretty young. And especially on the defensive side. Like, their offense yeah. was still able to do some things. Their running backs had a very good day, but their defense giving up that many points to Nebraska, like, that's not something that you can do, not when you're the Ohio State. Right, and hey, Adrian Martinez looked good, looked very good. Uh, he is a playmaker, so I know he makes some mistakes, but he's a freshman, true freshman. He looks good out there. Another guy who we we uh, talked down about this dude. Early in the season, we were like, are you kidding me? Like, this is supposed to be the best quarterback Jim Harbaugh's ever had. You're idiots. Well, maybe we should have waited, because Shea Patterson looks pretty damn good, and Michigan does too. That Michigan offense is going to give Ohio State all they can handle, and maybe then some when they meet. And for Nebraska or for Michigan, excuse me, like this is a team that looks like I mean they're going to make the playoff. That's how I, they look right now. If they, yeah, if they're set up to win and be in the playoff. Obviously, a great game coming up against Ohio State. Shea Patterson, he is getting it done, and we have given him some shit on the show before. Yeah, obviously, probably me more than anyone. Uh, but it is kind of like a Jared Stidham situation where the guy was a transfer. He comes in, wins the starting job because he is uber talented. But then you just there's that growing period where you have to learn the offense. And I'm I know that Jim Harbaugh, he's got pro experience. That's probably not the easiest offense to run. But now they really have things going. I think if they do play Notre Dame again or if they could play them again, they would win that game. Easily. I, I think so, too. Yeah. And Notre Dame fans, uh, they hate us. So they're, now they're going to be hate-tweeting you. Uh, like, why Why don't you believe in Notre Dame? Uh, maybe that's why. Uh, last bit of note, news, and I'm, I'm only bringing this up because I wonder if we we might lose you as the tri-host, tri instead of co-host, tri-host of this podcast. Are you taking the Kansas job? They fired their head coach. I want to get the rumor started now. Are you taking the job? I don't think that I will. We should all apply for it, though. Like I'm, I'm sure afraid I would get it. <laughs> there's an online application somewhere where they just let everybody I mean, apply. They have to, right? It's a it's a government, like a federal job, they or a state job. They have to post it, right? I mean, I could probably fill a teaching position there too. Yeah, so there you go. I don't know. Might have to take a look at it. I don't have my master's degree. I don't know if that would matter. In all honesty, though, if I was a college coach, I um I don't think I would go to Kansas. Nope. You're just you're setting yourself up for failure there. They I thought they had some pretty good hires the last couple, but you just you can't get anything going there. It's it's a college basketball. It's not a springboard job. Like it's not like you think like oh, I'll go to a mid major and try to you know jump right. Nope. And, and they think so highly of themselves because of the basketball program 
they want somebody in there that's going to win for football. Like, I thought they were making strides this year. You won yeah. two games. Like, congratulations. And then they're like, no, we're going to fire this guy midseason. That football stadium, I've been in nicer high school stadiums. Oh, for sure. For like, sure. Around here. Yeah. Not Texas or Florida or Louisiana. Like, Missouri. I've been in nicer high right. school stadiums in Missouri. So, uh, the Kansas job's open if anybody wants it. Uh, let's get to these $100 handshakes, buddy. Uh, number one for me, Hakeem Butler, wide receiver, Iowa State. Uh, give this man some cash. Five catches, buck sixty-four, two touchdowns, and looked very, very impressive. He, he's somebody who has size, uh, can separate. Uh, he's a dude because of his length and his production. We're gonna have to talk about more as an NFL draft prospect, I think. And that's what I was gonna say too. He was kind of one of those under the radar guys, but he's balling this year, and yeah. he looks like he can catch the ball in any kind of traffic there is. So I like that pick for you. I'm going with J.K. Dobbins. I alluded to it earlier. The running backs are still playing very well on this team, and he's still doing it. Had 167 yards and three touchdowns on Saturday. Guy's still balling out, and he's going under the radar. Yeah. Only a true sophomore. So he's a guy to keep an eye on, and I'm going to give him some money this week. I think with Mike Weber's fumble concerns, too, like Dobbins is probably going to get the load a lot more. Uh, Nikhil Harry, why just, I picked almost all receivers this week. Damn it. Uh, Nikhil Harry, Arizona State, uh, been a little banged up. Came out impressive this week. I know this is a guy you like a lot. Nine catches, 161 yards, and three touchdowns against Utah. And he like mossed some people and showed, I, I think some of the big questions about him have been speed, but it, there was a play, especially in the uh, on the end zone. He comes out, and at the top of his stem, he just shakes this DB. And the poor guy just like crumbles. And it's like, oh, well. Shit. And I love him. I his love slant him. route looked beautiful. So Nikhil Harry gets some money from me, and he's going to get some money from the NFL real soon, too. Yeah, and he's a guy that I want to talk about later when we get to our big boards uh, because, spoiler alert, he's in my top 10 for my big board. I absolutely love what I've seen out of him so far this year. Uh, staying in state, I'm going to go with Khalil Tate at Arizona. He is a favorite to win the Heisman at the beginning of the year. And then I don't know if Kevin Sumlin just ruined him or what's going on in Arizona, but he has not played well at all this entire year until Saturday or Thursday night. Actually, <laughs> he went 17 of 22, 350 yards and five touchdowns. He was doing it all with his arm, which was very impressive. So good for you to still rebound and have yourself a good game. A hundred dollars to you, sir. Another guy for me, another receiver for me, little join Humphrey. Not only one of the best names in college football, his name is Lil Jordan. Lil Jordan. I hate it, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey, big game in the Texas loss. Nine catches, 143 yards, and one touchdown. It felt like West Virginia wanted to take away Colin Johnson, so Lil Jordan had to be the guy, and he made some big plays. Texas got out to uh, you know, what looked like a hot start, and it's like, oh, this this might be a game that they can you know put a statement win on, beat a one-loss West Virginia. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way, but uh, Humphrey uh, was not the reason they lost this ball game. Yeah, and he's looking very good, too. I don't want to talk too much about Texas because people will come hate on us. Yep. Uh, but he looks very good, and I just I don't know that he's a guy we're going to get back next year for Texas. He looks very impressive with all aspects of the game. I actually got asked about him this week. Somebody was like, where do you rank him as a draft prospect. And I, I said day three, I, I think, uh, and, and it's funny because this was before the game and it was like, you know, I worry about his route tree. It just, he, he looks like a bubble yeah. screen only guy. And then there were a couple of times he was wide open uh, in that West Virginia zone. So that's the big concern for me. And I, I think he's a slot receiver. Like he, he's big. Right. Uh, he's what? Six, four, two twenty. Right. And he's a slot. 
Right. And so, he's like a return specialist too. Right. But I don't think he's that athletic necessarily. Like he's not he's not super juiced up. Yeah, we'll have to see what he can do. Can he be an outside receiver? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Colin Johnson, yes, can be. But go ahead and come back to Texas and prove that you can't play yeah, on the outside. Go ahead outside. and come back and get better. Uh I have do you have one more? I got one more. Okay, there it is. Uh I'm going with Quinnen Williams this week. Alabama defensive lineman. Everybody's been talking about him. I just haven't got around to watching him play yet. And I wanted to, and I picked the game to do it because the dude had 10 tackles. Three and a half of them were for a loss. And he also added two and a half sacks. One of those sacks came when he was being held by two linemen, like viciously <laughs> I tweeted the held video out. and yeah. assaulted by two linemen. Didn't give a shit. Broke right through there. He is going to challenge guys like Ed Oliver and Nick Bosa for that number number one spot. And he's not a redshirt sophomore. So you were like, I mean, of course you hadn't watched him yet. He's a redshirt sophomore. Like, so that's a guy that you don't prioritize early in the year unless they right. do what he's doing. So yeah, he's a hell of a player. We're gonna talk more about him for sure. Last one for me, and this hurts uh, a lot. Will Greer deserves some money. He might be getting an invite to New York. This is that that's the kind of big game, a big moment. Uh, for those of you that missed it, West Virginia is down. Uh, seven points. They get the ball back with just a little bit of time left, and he drives them down the field. And with 16 seconds left, I think he makes this. He's pressured, and he just makes this throw. Just throws it up, and it's just this perfect placement. It's like when you're playing beer pong and you go trick <laughs> shot, and you just go, you know, like Kobe way high, and then it just boom, just sinks it. it, it Unfortunately, he did that to our team, and it ripped my heart out. But it was a beautiful throw. On the day, he was 28-42 for 346 yards and three touchdowns. Took great advantage of the fact that Texas had some guys in the secondary out hurt and abused Will Boyd, or Chris Boyd. Yeah, abused. all game, just attacked him with David Sills, too, who's another guy who had a great game. Uh, you talk about that throw at the end of the fourth quarter. The thing I love about it the most no mechanics there. None. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Footwork was terrible. Arm angle, just awful. But the throw was on the money. Yeah. Uh, for people that don't know, uh, I used to dr- just drill you on mechanics, and you hated them. And, I hate uh, them. Everybody always talks about arm angle. Like, oh, you have to throw the ball like this. That What was his name? Jeff Tedford. Who yeah. had, like, you had to hold the ball by your ear. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that doesn't work. Look at Brett Favre and Pat Mahomes and Phillip Rivers. All these guys. Get out of here with arm angle. All right, we told you at the top of the show, it's time to get into these top 10 draft boards. For those of you that listen to Six Football because you like college football, well, (laughs) good news. We're also an NFL draft podcast. That's actually how we got started. So as we start to transition to draft season, it's the the first weekend in November. That's usually when we start to make that move. Also helps that I'm a Niners fan and Connor's a Jets fan, and we just need to talk about the draft. Yeah, and you guys are going to be drafting very early this year. Pretty early, probably within these first 10 picks that we're going to talk about tonight. So uh, a reminder, uh, a draft board is how we rank players. It's not a prediction. So our number one player, we're not saying he'll be the number one pick. He might be. Maybe he should be. But this is not a mock draft. Big boards and mock drafts are different. A mock draft is a prediction of where we think teams will do. A big board is a prediction of how good we think these players will be. So uh, we're going to go in tiers 10 through 1. Number 10 for me, Mello. Florida edge rusher, Jaikai Polite, had a, have a great year. Number 9, Justin Herbert, quarterback, Oregon. And number 8, corner, Trayvon Mullen from Clemson. And that's who I want to talk about in my first group of three Mullen has excellent size, exactly what the NFL wants. Uh, he's a long player, can be physical at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think he's like 6'2", 
195 pounds. So exactly what you want in an outside corner. Uh, quite a contrast to our top guy last year, Denzel Ward, who was like 5'11", 190. But Mullen is in the running. I know we've talked a lot about Greedy Williams and DeAndre Baker. Do not forget about Trayvon Mullen. He is oftentimes just completely ignored on his side of the field. And so you're not going to get, you know, the interception numbers. In fact, I don't think he has any this year, but teams see the length and the speed and the shutdown ability on the edge from him. And he's kind of an underlooked at guy because of everything that's on that Clemson defense. When you're watching Clemson games and you're scouting, everything gets focused on that defensive line. And uh, not that they haven't earned it. They are a dominating defensive line. Uh, but he is a guy that has been kind of going under the radar. So I love that you you have him up here too. And another reason is I think that some of these corners are falling in the draft boards and just what we've seen over the weekend. My top seven through eight, or sorry, 10 through eight guys, uh, I'm sticking with Jonah Williams at tackle because I still think he's very good. And we saw this last year where everybody said, oh, the tackles aren't any good. Tackles aren't any good. And then we still get one drafted in the top 10, another at 15. It's just, it's going to happen. <laughs> right. I like what I see out of Jonah Williams still. Number nine for me, Noah Fant. I wish Iowa knew how to use him, but I still love him. And number eight is also the guy that I want to talk about, Nikhil Harry. I love him. And a lot of people have said, where are the receivers in this class? Where's the AJ Brown, DK Metcalf? He got hurt. I love what I've seen out of Nikhil Harry. He is tremendous with the ball in his hands. After he makes the catch, he can make you miss. He can run over you. He high points the football very well. He makes the catch in traffic. I think he's going to come away with that receiver one. Kind of reminds me of Mike Williams out of Clemson a couple years ago. Uh, But I've also Mm -hmm. gone as far as to compare this guy to Larry Fitzgerald. I think he can do it all. I think he's maybe not going to be a blazer when it comes to running the 40. So maybe he gets in that 4-5 range, 4-6, whatever. He can still separate enough, and he's still scary with the ball in his hand. So I love what I've seen out of this young man so far this year. Yeah, also a good return man. He doesn't do it often, right. but he is, a, he is a good returner as well. So I'm glad that you've highlighted him, and you're right. Like the, uh, There are a lot of questions like, God, we need receivers. Where are they? Eh, it might be right there. Like He might be the guy. Number seven for me, Rashawn Gary, D-line at Michigan. Number six, Greedy Williams, uh, corner LSU. Number five is my guy to highlight, Deontay Thompson at Alabama. Watch number 14 for Bama, and you see a difference maker. Like, someone who plays over the top, but we saw against LSU, he will come down and make tackles in the open field. He's great at taking away even the outside pass, just because I, I think his read and react skills are special. We had someone ask a couple weeks ago how we would rank him with guys like Malik Hooker, Jamal Adams, I think he's got a chance to be the best of all of them that we've seen just because he is so smart and he has the athleticism. And I, I think, you know, a hooker, you, you worried about, oh, this guy's been hurt. With Jamal, it was, well, he doesn't have great ball skills. Like Thompson kind of has it all. And he's he's a hitter, he's smart, he can cover, and, and he's great in the zone game as well. So if this is a year where, you know, you're a team that you, you have a quarterback and you're not going to get one of the pass rushers, it's not a bad year to just take a badass free safety and unleash him over the top. And I think this is one way that you take away those, this run pass option is you need a smart free safety who's not going to get frozen back there. And if he does make a misstep, he's fast enough and rangy enough to to correct it and still get over the top. And thank God people are finally valuing safeties. Like with Jamal Adams going so high, Malik Hooker too. There was a time when people just did not draft him in like the top 15. Yeah. So Guys like him are the reason, though. He is going to be very special. Uh, he falls in my next group, too. I'm going with number seven, Greedy Williams. 
number six, Thompson, and number five for me is Cleveland Farrell out of Clemson. Uh, we've talked a lot about their defensive line, and I still love Cleveland Farrell. I don't even think it's the other guys drawing attention off of him. He has such a quick first step, and he can still bend the corner out of that 4-3 defense that I think he can fit into any role in the NFL. Whether you want to have him stand up, I think he's athletic enough. I think he's got some bend to him. He's got very long arms, and I think he can be a very efficient pass rusher at the next level. Yeah, he's definitely my favorite guy on the, the Clemson D-line. You talk about Austin Bryant, who's probably a uh, round three guy. Christian Wilkins, probably a round two to three guy. Dexter Lawrence, I think, is a first-rounder. And then you have Cleveland Farrell, who's also uh, definitely in the running to be a first-rounder. You have him in the top ten, so obviously like him a lot. Uh, four, three, two, and one on my list uh, all deserve, I think, to get some talk. Like, if you're a top four player in this class, we, we've got a minute to break you down. Well, and... I did not cheat. I didn't look at Matt's board, <laughs> but we have the same four guys in the same order. I, I think that a lot of people in the NFL would, too. I don't think this is just me and you liking the same players. I think that there are some guys that are just starting to separate from the pack, and you, you start to just put them into a tier. So at number four for both of us, LSU linebacker Devin White uh, unfortunately missed the first half against Alabama. I think it was a bullshit targeting call that, that got him suspended. But we've seen this guy in person. Uh, we've had the opportunity to talk to him a couple times. He's smart. He's athletic. He was a great high school running back. And I think you see that translate to the defensive side with how he runs alleys. I mean, he's a very explosive. The key for him, I talked to him last year about this time. And it was like, what do I need to get better at? And I really thought it was like read and react, man. You just you need to be faster processing what's happening in front of you, especially with your run fits. And credit to him, he looks a lot better this year at just feeling what's happening in front of him, taking the film study and putting it on the field. I, I Like you said with safeties, a lot of people don't want to draft a middle linebacker high. It just doesn't happen. This is an exception. This is a guy that you draft highly because like Roquan Smith last year, I, I think he's better than Roquan Smith because of his size, his strength, and the athleticism. But he can be a guy that you just plug in and – for at least the next five years, you know that you have a captain in the middle of your defense that's going to take care of everything. He looks like Jalen Smith, like healthy, you know, Miles Jack. Yeah. If those guys didn't have the injury concerns that they did, then they would be up there with guys like Roquan and I think Devin White as well. He's just, he does it all on the field and he can get sideline to sideline faster than probably any linebacker I've ever seen. Yeah. He's, he's very, very, very good. Uh, number three for the both of us. Quinnen Williams, you talked about it earlier. You gave him a $100 handshake. I think somebody in the NFL is going to try to give him a much bigger handshake than that. With the production he's had this year, it, it, and it's not just production. like It's the traits as well. But you watch him play for Alabama number 92. There are times he plays as a true nose guard, and he's still getting yeah. into the backfield and making plays. And whether it's tackles for a loss or just being disruptive or, like you said, against LSU, my man's getting held by two guys, and he still has the power and the hand usage to make the sack. So what do you have? Three and a half tackles for a loss on one yeah. sack against LSU? Two, and 10 two tackles. Two and a half sacks. Two yes. and a half sacks. 10 tackles. For a nose guard to get 10 tackles is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and I know they run the ball up the middle a lot, but they're also double teaming him almost every time. And that's with guys like um, Raekwon on the same Ray, defense. Raekwon line. Davis and Isaiah Bugs are very like, good players. Okay, those linebackers are very good too. You talk about Mac Wilson. And it's the guy up there, number 92, making all the plays, getting off blocks, shooting gaps, and just staying at home. He does everything. The great thing about these Alabama defensive linemen, too, is they play all over. 
like another guy that we're going to talk about, Ed Oliver, they don't just say, okay, you're a nose tackle. They will play you in the three tech. They'll yeah. play you outside. And they're both quick enough. They can do it all on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, he's special. And I, I know we said it earlier, he's a redshirt sophomore. So there's not even any guarantee he's going to enter the draft. You would think he would, but Nick Saban has low-key been very good at this lately, at getting guys to stay one more year. Like, uh, we thought Damian Harris was going to leave. Before that, there were some D linemen we thought were going to leave. Like He's very good at getting guys now to stay. At, at least yeah, I could see Quentin Williams coming back for one more year, leaving there as a redshirt junior instead. And he's somebody who's still working on his body. I, I think I heard he gained like 14 pounds uh, just over the last offseason because he's still trying to get bigger. Right now he's 6'4", 290. And I, I don't even know if there's a good NFL comparison for him. It's like he kind of looks like Calais Campbell sometimes. Kind of looks like Fletcher Cox. He's just, he's dominant. I'm excited. It, maybe Sue. And Duncan Sue might be the best comp for him. Yeah, and I, I do think that he will go back to Alabama. Maybe that's the college football fan in me. You're just hoping. <laughs> no, but I think that Nick Saban and Tua and these guys are going to want to re-gear for a second championship because they're probably going to get it this year. And a lot of them have to come back. Jerry Judy, true sophomore, right. oh, he's has good. to come back. So I think that they will. Was it Dylan Moses, the linebacker? Yeah, true linebacker? sophomore. He's good. It's got to come back as well. And they've got some young secondary players. So they're going to be scary next year. A lot like number two guy on our board here, Ed Oliver. Yeah, Ed Oliver is. It's funny because like, we've known about Ed Oliver for so long, and he declared for the 2019 draft before the 2018 draft. He's like, you know what? Right. I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. And we've, you and I, have talked to people who interacted and coached with him at Houston, and they were like, yeah, when this dude got here, he was he was a freak. Yeah, it's like, like, why are you at Houston? Right. Yeah, loyal to his soil. That's why I, I love Ed Oliver. I, I think that we're we've hit the point of the year with Ed Oliver where everyone just overthinks him. I, I remember this happening with Joey Bosa, where people were like, ah, well. You know, he doesn't do this well. He doesn't do that yeah, well. The production's not there. Watch him play football. He's, he's gonna, good. He's going to kill it at the combine. Yes, he, he is. He's going to do everything well. He's going to run well. He's going to jump well. They're going to have him probably doing outside linebacker drills just to see what the fuck this guy can do. And it's everything. He's yeah. limitless. You might as well. Yeah, just let him do everything because he is he, he's special. And I know people are probably tired of hearing about it because... He was such a highly touted guy coming out of high school, and it's like, okay, like we get it. He's special, but like, no, like he's really, really special. Um, he has a 36 inch vert. Uh, he broad jumps 10 1, which is the same as Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, he squats 650, benches 405, and power cleans 385. He runs the 40 and 4.5 yeah. and drives a Mack truck. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's good. He's, he's going to blow up the combine. Another guy who is uh, hashtag good, Nick Bosa. And like I said, with his brother, everybody overthought it. It's like when people overthought Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley. Like, you don't have to be a fucking genius to watch football and know that this guy's yeah, really like good. They're going to be good, and he's got that pedigree like you talk about. You've seen his lineage with his brother and what he's able to do in the NFL when he's healthy. So hopefully Nick Bosa is healthy. I know he's had that midsection injury or whatever you're calling it, probably a sports hernia. Yeah. But he's going to be very good. And he is a very highly valued position because he can play the edge, which guys like Ed Oliver and Quinnen Williams are probably going to struggle with that because I don't think they will play the edge even right. though they could. Nick Bosa can. He's yeah. going to run about 260, 270, and he's going to bend the edge like people we haven't seen before. Stand him up, put him down. really doesn't matter. My favorite nugget about Nick Bosa is not that his dad was the number three pick in the draft or his brother was number three pick, not that his dad 
was a first round pick, is that his great grandfather was a mobster. I mean, with a name like Bosa. Right. And just the way these guys look, they look like somebody that would be right. a Bosa. Right. Especially Joey. Like, right. are they from Jersey? I don't know if they are, but geez. They I, look it. You know, I actually don't know where they're from. I think they're from like uh, Florida, which, you know, they probably moved south. Like, right, right. They were probably in Jersey and then migrated south would be my guess. I'm going to look and see where his dad's from because that Fort would... Lauderdale, Florida is where they. Yeah. But his dad is from uh, New Hampshire. Pretty close. Pretty much. It's pretty much Jersey up there. Uh, he is, uh, in my opinion, the favorite to be the first pick in the draft. Like, I can't see anyone. No. just Like, and, the Raiders lost to the Niners Thursday, okay? Like, and they're, they're probably going to have talking about, like, we need a pass rush. Yeah. Huh. Wonder who you're going to draft. <laughs> Weird. Maybe just take Nick Bosa. Uh, you got his brother just down the, the down the highway from him. It'll be great. And he's the kind of guy that you could build around to move. Oh, moving to Vegas. Take the mobster to Vegas. It's there you perfect. Go. All right, we are back, and it's draft on draft time. I don't have a can to open. I don't either because this whole time change thing is messing with me, and we're recording on a Sunday night, and I'm starting to get sleepy. Should have yeah. got one of those bangs. Should have got a bang. Uh, Should have got a bang in before the show. Yeah. <laughs> Next time. Next time I got you. A uh, lot of great questions, though. First one. From at Travis Stone 24, question for either of you now on Twitter or on the podcast, but can the Browns interview a college coach like Lincoln Riley or Matt Campbell or potentially or a potentially fired NFL coach like John Harbaugh during the season uh, and them accept or does it have to wait until the offseason? So it has to wait until the offseason unless they are like, fired like you uh, could interview Kansas's coach. Yeah, or you could maybe seek permission. And you're going to get denied. Yeah. Uh, but that's how that would work. I, one rumor, I'll just throw this out there because I know that's kind of what Travis was looking for. One of the big rumors is that the they obviously love Lincoln Riley. No surprise, right? But that there is a hope that Mike McCarthy will be fired by the Packers and that they would hire him. So, uh, not a fan of that? Uh, they, I don't know. He's like, won you one can't Super win a Super Bowl with Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Like, So you think you're going to do it with Baker Mayfield? In a much less attractive like destination, like you don't have Lambeau Field to no. get free agents. To you have uh, you have a fucking shitty creek running through your yeah, city. You have the uh, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, ooh, you used to have LeBron James. He used to play over here. You want to come be a free agent here? We used to have LeBron. Our and baseball, he even left. Our baseball team's got a racist mascot. It's cool. You you want to come? Yeah. Nope. So good luck there. I think they're better off going after a guy like Lincoln Riley. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Uh, oh, haven't heard from this guy in a while. So Sylvester Valderrama. It's been a minute. Been a minute, man. Old sly boy, long time listener, long time question asker. <laughs> I've heard the Tua to Steve Young comparisons. I think he's more Drew Brees. What do y'all think? So I actually tweeted that, and a lot of people ripped my ass, and I don't even fucking know why. I was like, Tua's a left-handed Drew Brees. This was be- like two weeks ago. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know why people want him to be more mobile than he is. He's not. I, I know he had a 45-yard touchdown run, but we've also talked about that knee. He's just, he's not Steve Young. Yes, he's left-handed, yeah. and we don't have an immobile left-handed quarterback who's short <laughs> to compare him to. Right. So you're right. People are going to say, oh, there's Steve Young. But yeah, I'm with you. I think he is um, Drew Brees, left-handed, maybe a little bit stronger of an arm yeah. than what Brees had coming out. His arm strength is very good now, 
but I think he is closer to a Drew Brees than he is Steve Young. Yeah, I thought so too. I'm just glad Steve he... Young could not throw the he threw the ball like 55 yards. Yeah. It was not good. No arm strength there. Obviously, it worked for him. He's a Hall of Famer. But I don't think the Tua and Steve Young comparison is accurate at yeah, all. Like Young was a great athlete. I mean, he was great the, athlete. He was the best mobile quarterback until Michael Vick, who yeah. is just lights out and a difference right. maker. Like people say about Sam Ellinger, being a fullback who throws. Uh, wait, who said that, by the way? It was uh, Tommy Tankers. Oh, that bastard. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to let that one go then. Okay, uh, second question from Sylvester Valderrama. Are there any Marcus Davenport or Will, Hernan- Will Hernandez's we should know about as the season winds down? So those were guys, smaller school guys, uh, UTSA and UTEP, respectively. Yeah, your boy at Old Dominion. Yeah. Uh, O'Shane Zimenez. O'Shane Zimenez. O'Shane You're close. O'Shane Zimenez at, at Old Dominion is probably the guy. And I feel like he got a decent amount of love, uh, so maybe isn't flying under the radar as much. But he's definitely the one where you're like, hey, this is the dude. Jalen Ferguson at Louisiana Tech, another edge rusher. Uh, would be Having won a hell of a season. I think yeah. he leads the nation in sacks right now. I think he does, too. But as far as, like, small, small school guys, I, I haven't seen anybody this year, or I, I'm scrolling through my list, I mean, the guys at Buffalo, like Anthony Johnson and, right. and Jackson. And even them, like they're not even under the right. radar yet. So we'll get there. I mean, it's we'll get to that time of year where we do start to talk about some of the smaller school guys. But, um, yeah, just there's nobody right now that is other than Zimenez at, at ODU where it's like, oh, this is a small school guy that could maybe jump in around one like we were talking about with Marcus Davenport and our guy Will Hernandez. The Senior Bowls, such a great opportunity for us to see those guys in person. Like, I, I could – Email Old Dominion, ask for tape, and they would definitely you know be nice and send it because it's a small school. But I like to see those guys in person against like better competition, and maybe that leads to a bias at some point. But like I, I wanted to see Davenport and Hernandez play against good guys, right? Yeah, because it's easier to dominate those you know non Power Five conferences if you are a good athlete, and they both were. But once you get them at the Senior Bowl, you can really you. Especially offensive and defensive line, they will match you yes. up with somebody, and they will find out how good you are. So it is—it's kind of hard to tell until you get to the Senior Bowl. Yep, uh, and we're looking forward to that. Uh, at Mike Spencer KKS, other than potentially Ohio State, what's the highest prestige college football coaching vacancy we expect this off season, and who would you hire to to fill it? That's what. It well, is. I think the easy answer here is going to be Oklahoma. Everybody's already talking about Lincoln Riley and what he might do. And I think Bob Stoops is the favorite to land either one of those jobs, Oklahoma or Ohio State. Just if I had money to bet on it right now, he is an Ohio guy, and obviously he was at Oklahoma. And I don't know that he's a guy who's going to sit out forever. I don't know if that's a true retirement or if that's just a, you know, I need a couple years off to spend time with my family thing. Here's the one I'm going to throw out there. Do you think there's any way that Texas Tech would fire Cliff Kingsbury? I don't think, not after this year. I think that it would actually have to have like a three, four win season. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to get that this year. I think they'll win a couple more games probably, uh, but I don't think they will this year. Okay. And I don't know. That's like a hot destination. One more last uh, hot take from me. And this one's pretty fucking hot. Auburn. Anyway, they fire miles on. They just gave him that extension though. Yeah. Like, and they do this all the time with fucking Auburn. Like, Oh, yeah. we're going to fire him. Malzahn sucks, and the next year they'll go like ten and. But three. they're going to go seven and five because they're going to lose to Georgia and they're going to lose to Alabama. They're going to beat Liberty. Yeah, right. They're going to go seven and five. I don't think that's acceptable with a senior quarterback. I mean, no, it's not. But I still don't. I don't know that yeah. they fire him. 
I think they would, would have to a... they would have to lose a surprise game because obviously they are going to lose to Alabama, but yeah, I don't know. And I they don't did, think they did just beat A and M, which Justin helps. Fuentes is maybe a guy that's on the hot seat too. At Virginia Tech, yeah. and I don't know who it's would fill early that spot for him. You know, yeah, it's but they're two just, years. They're very bad this Why year. Why didn't they just get Bud Foster that job? I don't know because he's still hanging around. Right. As the I defense never understood that one. Uh, like the name, the hottest name is going to be Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Yeah, I think for NFL jobs. I, I yeah. think a lot of teams are already eyeing him. Uh, maybe if something like an Ohio State were to open up, he would be a favorite for it. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's. I don't think he's going to Auburn. I mean, you know, he would wait. Yeah. He might too. be going to the Browns. Shit. So He'll probably uh, be in Ohio. Yeah, somewhere in Ohio. That's where all the coaches go. Ryan Thompson, I love this question. If you could go back in time and coach any football team in history, who would it be? Mine would probably be the 2009 Texas Longhorns. Right. When they lost the national championship. Like, they didn't need any help from me in 2006. But if I could scheme a way to keep Marcel Darius away from Colt McCoy. <laughs> you know it's coming. I would do it, and I would win the national championship. Uh, so, this, yeah, this is tough for me. I, I think mine is, there's that the, that year, like, with the Niners, when they transitioned kind of, like, Mariucci maybe to, like, the end of his run a little bit. Like, late 90s? Like, late 90s, yeah. Like, uh Right when the ownership changed, right when uh, Steve DeBartolo, it's like when Dennis Erickson got hired. Like, just they, I mean, they had, it's Steve they Young. had guys. Uh, well, they had Jeff Garcia at that point. Oh, you're going after that? Yeah, after that. Oh, okay. Like, I feel like I could have done a much better job at turning that team around than they did. I mean, you had Jerry Rice and Terrell Owens. Yeah. And he had some guys on defense. Garrison like, Hurst was maybe Garrison still there. Hurst was definitely still there. And a lot of people, you know, Jeff Garcia and, and Terrell Owens hated each other. So I would have just got rid of both of them, honestly, for some draft picks. Uh, but they went two and fourteen one, uh, in two thousand fourteen, which led to Alex Smith being drafted. So that's when I would have wanted to be there because I would have drafted Aaron Rodgers first, uh, without a doubt. And who knows if that would have worked? But uh, also would have hired Mike Nolan. Uh, it's cool that he wore a suit <laughs> on the sideline and shit, but like, no, I would not. Like they had Mike McCarthy there as the quarterbacks coach. Right, Should have well, just give him the there job. There you go. Draft Aaron Rodgers, and and then there you go. Um, yeah, but like, yeah, the end of the the Bill Walsh tree where they went to Dennis Erickson and Mike Nolan and all those idiots. That's I would have liked the challenge. I would have never in a million fucking years drafted Michael Crabtree. No, absolutely Ever. not. That's he's a guy I hate Ever. more than almost any athlete. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert: the top five on Friday's podcast will be our top five least favorite athletes of all time, <laughs> or football players. Sorry, top five least favorite football players of all time. He's on the list. Can, you could guess who's number one on mine? It's Baker Mayfield. Uh, <laughs> all right. Next question: uh, Tr- Tristan Katzman wants to know for all the hype entering the year for both D line and wide receivers. Where did all the receivers go? Seems like guys like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside don't move the needle this year. You answered the question. I I think the receivers are there. They're maybe just not getting the hype. Um, A.J. Brown's having a very solid year. Maybe he's just not putting up his, the His numbers look great. Yeah, they're 10 times better than what Metcalf's were when they were both playing. So he's doing things. It's just not sticking out on highlights. So I think it goes unrecognized. And he's also not playing for a marquee team. I mean, it's Ole Miss. They've lost a lot of games. So he's still doing things. And I do think this is an okay receiver class. Uh, It's hard to tell because you don't know who's going to come out. There are a lot of juniors. So we'll see. 
yeah, we'll see. Guys like Marquise Brown are still up there. Debo Samuel. That AJ Butler. Brown is having a great year. Uh, Butler, uh, Hakeem Butler at uh, Iowa, Iowa State. State. Oh, almost went blank there. There are receivers out there. The good news is the tight end class looks great. So Noah right. Fant, Irv Smith, Caden, uh, uh, the kid at uh, Smith. Smith, Caden Smith. Thank you. I didn't, my brain is not working. <laughs> it's a damn time <laughs> yeah. change. The, the time change sucks, especially when you have kids because they just get up an hour earlier. That's right. all that that means. Mike, you, what time did your kids wake up today? 6.30 official time. Oh, you win. Never mind. Mine got up at 7.30, and I was not happy. My kids are nuts. I don't know what it is. My daughter, she has like an internal clock for 6.30, and that's when she wakes if up. If you're talking about your oldest daughter, it's because she is OCD. <laughs> like yeah, She's like she's, her mom. Yeah, she's, she's like, a type A personality. Yeah. Like She wakes up at 6.30, and she's like, all right, let's get shit done. Yeah, I'm going to clean. Me and my youngest daughter are like, no, let's fucking lay in bed for two more hours and then you come back all right Melo. it's time to close out our draft on draft questions we got a couple good ones left jacob delong uh becoming like we were talking about on the friday morning show all you have to do is like be a guy a dude or a girl that sends in a couple questions every now and then and you're locked away in the memory bank oh yeah you're like there the cool thing is like you can now tweet me and be like hey i'm like short on gas money can you spot me 50 bucks and like oh yeah this guy sends in draft on draft questions you got it yeah, we'll do it for you. Whatever, man. I've done that before to one of our listeners. Oh, yeah. Not to toot my own horn, but I've done it. So, uh, well, that, now that's out there. So, Jacob DeLong wants to know, what is a more impressive accomplishment? Saban winning five national championships with Bama, Belichick winning five Super Bowls in New England, or John Gruden destroying the Raiders in under a year? <laughs> I mean, what Gruden's doing is pretty tough to do like you almost have to do it intentionally right, by like trading away one of the best pass rushers in the nfl being that bad is hard yeah like you really you almost have to try when you already had some pieces in place yeah like two years ago they were a playoff team and like Derek carr looked very good and they had all this stuff going for him last year you bring in marshawn lynch and i know they had some injuries but they didn't look like they were going to be the worst team in the nfl uh serious answer I think it's what Nick Saban is doing because uh, and it, it all comes down to this. Okay. Bill Belichick has won all his Super Bowls with Tom Brady at quarterback. Nick Saban has won all his national championships with a different cast of characters. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's always changed. Like even from Jalen Hurts to Tua, like there's turnover and you know, you're at Bama, you're getting guys. If they start for two years, you're lucky because usually you get them in and they're behind a great player. So they have to sit and wait. Then they play two years. And right when they hit their peak, they go to the NFL. Right. So I think what Nick Saban's doing, I, I've said before, I think we, I think he's the greatest college football coach of all time. Oh, I do too. And like you said too, like you can't argue against Belichick. Like five Super Bowls, that's amazing. But he has always had the goat quarterback. You, yeah. That's hard to come against. You know what I hate when I say stuff like that on Twitter and people are like, Joe Montana never played for the Patriots. Shut up. He's also not the GOAT. Like, no. Let's I'm a Niners him. fan, and he's not. I don't even, I'm don't. i not a Tom Brady fan or Patriots fan, a Michigan fan, but the dude's the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't even think Montana's second. I don't even, I don't even think it's a close argument. He, like, he might be second. He's nowhere near no. first. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is second? No, because I, I think when you're getting into that talk, you have to talk about production and Super Bowls. Like yeah. it, it is a part of it, and he's only won one. I think he's the most physically gifted quarterback we've ever seen. I think John Elway is. But uh, you're like, that's the age thing. Like, I mean, yeah, 
Elray retired, you were 10, and he was a shell of himself. So right. that doesn't yeah. really count anymore. Uh, okay, that's a fun tangent. Rob Griffith wants to know, I know it's a bit early, but is being left-handed lower to his draft stock in the eyes of the NFL? No. I don't know that it really lowers it. I mean, they're not going to say, like, oh, he's left-handed, we can't draft him or anything. But it, I tell you, it is different to watch a guy that's left-handed. It took me a, a long time to adjust, even on Saturday. Like, yeah. I'll watch him every week. It takes my brain time to adjust. Why is he doing this backwards? Why the fuck is he dropping back that way? Oh, yeah, he's left-handed. Right. And then he gets hurt for a play, and they have to bring in their other quarterback, and my dumb brain flips again. I was like, whoa, what? Oh, okay, yeah. He's right-handed. So I'm sure that the receivers probably go through that as well. That's what I've always heard is the hardest thing is for receivers because the ball spins differently. Right, yeah, it's like a different kind of breaking ball for him to catch. I also don't think that they're going to be like, you know what? We like Fromm better because he's right-handed. Right. And everybody's going to get into the, well, now you need a better right tackle than left tackle because his blind side is technically the right side. Let me tell you, fellas, you need both. I don't know if you've seen Von Miller and Khalil Mack coming off the right side of the offensive line, but you need a good right tackle now, too. They figured it out. It's not 1982 anymore when they keep the guy on the same side of the field. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Guess what? Mitchell Schwartz is pretty fucking good at right tackle because of guys like Cleo Mack and Von Miller. So NFL teams are smarter. Uh, Justice Straub sent in a uh, a collection. I don't even know if it's really a question. It's more of just in a. I think it's his scouting, scouting report. report. <laughs> is Daniel Jones, the Duke quarterback, being overhyped because of how bad this class is? Seems like a less athletic poor man's Trubisky. He stares down his targets. Needs easy scripted plays. When things break down and is on him to make a play, he routinely makes bad decisions. Uh, so I guess to answer your question, is he being overhyped because how bad the class is? Yes. I think every quarterback in this group is. And that's why we're seeing like Justin Herbert. I think he would have been the fifth or sixth best quarterback last year. Yeah. But he's going to be the first quarterback taken next year if he declares. So everybody is kind of getting overhyped because we really need a quarterback and everybody wants one. The Giants need one for sure. There's just not any out there, so we're going to make one. Yeah, it. we've talked about that a lot. Like, someone will get elevated. It happens all the time. Uh, the need at quarterback is going to push someone up. I don't know if that will be Daniel Jones, uh, but, yeah, I, I think he's a good player who everyone is falling a little bit in love with, maybe prematurely. I do think Ryan Finley at NC State could be the guy that teams like, oh, he has a great senior bowl. It'll be like, yeah, like Philip Rivers all over right. again. I think Drew Locke's stock is going to go up this week. Yeah, because Florida. Uh, because what he did at Florida, and you're going to get a lot of people on Twitter like clipping out highlights from it and saying Can't he's going to be a first rounder. Uh, but I don't agree with that either. Yeah. Uh, so stupid. So stupid. Uh, last question. And then I'm going to throw something at you that I don't think you've seen yet. Okay. Last question from Justin Myers. (laughs) When watching games on regular broadcast, are you able to scout or just keep an eye out for big plays or something that catches your eye and you go back and scout later? Uh, So I don't know if it's maybe just me. I am not able to scout. My eye follows the ball too much. So even last night, I wanted to get a good look at Quentin Williams and Thompson and Wilson and the broadcast. It's just too hard because the cameras move. They, they are giving you a show, uh, so it's hard to break down guys like Quinn and Williams. So you have to do it after the game. Yeah, I think especially, I mean, we've said before, DBs and receivers, it's almost impossible to scout on TV tape. I, I think with O-line, D-line, you can do a little bit better job. But for me, I, I, I'm i a football fan. So like Saturdays are, are obviously work, and, and I do take a lot of either notes or mental notes of go back and watch this guy, or you pay attention to athleticism a little bit, but you can't 
at least I can't scout in the moment. It's just impossible to do. So I'll do, it's called body typing. A lot of like Quinn and Williams. Okay. Well, you know, this is what he, he looks like. This is what his arm length is and how athletic he might be. Things like that. And then go back. And, and I was actually doing it this morning, watching LSU Alabama to see the the production and the technique and thing and, and how he puts it all together. So that's and, how I do it. Well, in this weekend, like Quinn and Williams, like we've been talking about, it's easy to scout him because of how dominant he was. But not every game is going to consist of two and a half sacks and ten tackles. Right. Like most interior linemen are going to have like four to five tackles and maybe not make a difference, but they've had one hell of a game. So it's just it's harder to scout when it is a TV broadcast. All right, now I want to throw something at you. We're, we're sitting here, like I said, it, we record this Sunday night. Y'all hear it hopefully Monday morning right when it comes out. So uh, there was a game that was on while we were uh, prepping. The Houston Texans and the Denver Broncos are playing. Vance Joseph is the head coach of the Denver Broncos still, somehow. And having the time of his life. Having the time of his life on your screen. You see him now. And he tried to ice the Texans kicker, right? Uh, Bill O'Brien gets caught on camera clapping and he says, apparently, good job, Vance, you dumb fuck. <laughs> After that, like, he iced him, and then the Texans, like, kicked it and made it. And he's running off the field. And it, I'm, I'm reading his lips. And he definitely says, good job, Vance, you dumb fuck. I guess that's not one of the instances where, like, in college football, all the coaches get along. Like, they go to their conferences right. and all that stuff and, and their friends. But... I guess that doesn't happen yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. So sorry. At the end of the first half is when he said it, not the end of the game. My bad. But uh, it doesn't change anything. Uh, hilarious. Just freaking hilarious. I love Bill O'Brien. Not so much as like I don't think he's a great head coach, but like I just like he's Bill a good O'Brien. personality. Right. Exactly. He uh, did some really great things at Penn State. I kind of wish he would go back to college. I do too. Yeah. Huh, that would be a good hire for someone. So, uh, all right, that's our show, man. Uh, it was a fun one. Uh, hopefully our boy Connor is feeling better and it, a well-deserved night off for the old CR. Uh, he's probably got an arm workout to get in in the morning. I don't know how he does. He has to do his hair then workout. Cause if you did like a hard arm day, there's no way you're doing your hair like that after. Well, I think he travels into the city to work out, right? Yeah, he does. I don't know what his schedule is and I won't pretend to. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure he'll be back, uh, for the Wednesday show. We'll be rocking and rolling. I, I think we will start to, to get into some draft talk, which I'm very excited about. Busy week for us, though, as we prep for the Missouri Southern Pitt State tailgate. I'm going to keep saying it until you guys tell me you're going to come see us. It is November 10th, 11 a.m. at uh, Missouri Southern Stadium, lot 18. There's going to be a roped-off area with an RV and two big white tents right there. So come see us. We will be the tailgate. Yeah. We will be. That's probably the best way to put it. Uh, we will be the people tailgating. Uh, we will have cold drinks to give away, some snacks, mostly drinks, koozies, bracelets, stickers. We're going to be recording the podcast, Mello. We're going to take our gear, record the podcast, stop by. We'll be taking your draft on draft questions live, just like we did at LSU. Exactly. That's going to be your chance to be a part of the show because we're not going to read them for you. You can come on and you can tell us what you want us to answer. Yeah, and it's unfiltered, so you could sneak in a curse word or two if you want to, because you know we're we're okay with that. So, all right, make sure if you haven't already, you love this podcast, leave a five star review on iTunes. It helps us out. It makes the bosses happy. Also, make sure you're subscribed, whether that's Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, however you get your podcast. Make sure you're getting stick to football. We will talk to you guys Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm.